0: Hello and welcome to Redirected, a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, entrepreneurs, and elite level athletes to hear the story of how they arrived where they are today. The common link between them, they each have been redirected from what they thought their life or career would look like into something much different, something they were truly passionate about. I am your host, Andrew East, engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur and I can't wait to share these stories with you to help inspire you to redirect your own life. Today, we sit down with Olympic snowboarder and X Games legend Louis Vito and discuss what it looks like to not only excel at what it is you do, but also help others do the same. If you are interested in connecting with Louis on social media, you can find him at, at Louis Vito on Twitter and Instagram, and also in the show notes down below. I'm super excited for today's show. Ladies and gentlemen, Louis Vito! Louie, thanks for joining us today, man.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm stoked.
0: Yeah. So Louie and I, I feel like I've known you for a long time, but we first met last weekend for the first time at Reggie Bush's charity event, which is pretty fun.
1: Oh, yeah, um, was it's weird, though, because I felt like, like you said, I felt like we already knew each other, but we never actually met face to face.
0: That's right. We have a lot of mutual friends, I feel like. Obviously, you've known Sean. for. When did you and Sean first meet?
1: Uh, Maybe like eight or so years ago eight or really
0: nine. was yeah. it dancing with the stars
1: yeah but I was on after her but she was doing a bunch of stuff um she was like a doing the red carpet stuff for somebody at the time and uh I think that's how we met
0: all right nice. it's just like
1: when you know somebody for a long time you're like I think that's when it was I'm not really <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Louie's been a great friend to Sean and to to me um but we also have friends outside of Sean. You grew up in Ohio, and so I feel like the Midwest connections are, are pretty deep there. Columbus, right?
1: Yep, outside Columbus. Well, I grew up – I was born in Columbus, grew up in Bofantown, which is just outside. Um, but, yeah, I feel like all Midwest people uh, – I don't know if it's the values, the way you were raised, the blue-collar kind of lifestyle, but everybody I feel like, like from the Midwest. It's just like an instant bond right there.
0: For those of you who are um, – only listening and not watching louis is absolutely shredded i'd be curious to know what your body fat percentage is do you know what do you Um, have any numbers on that
1: probably stay between like three and five for the most part
0: okay that's wild
1: pretty lean um it's nice though I, i started working with john schaefer who i met through apollo ono and apollo's been like a mentor and a big brother to me and you know, I looked at who the most in shape Winter Olympian was. This is back in the day, and if you read anything about Apollo, he's like a workout fanatic. This guy is just a nut, and I'm like, well, this guy has done amazing things in his sport and speed skating. For people who don't know, and he could go to anybody in the world because you know he's done such a great job uh, creating a brand for himself right. in the face of speed skating in the Olympics. Um, and he goes to this guy. He's been seeing John throughout his whole career. So I started seeing him, and you know it was straight up hell. It was his easiest day was harder than anything I've ever done, and I've had NBA trainers, all these professional guys, and um, you know after doing that for so many years, you create this like such a strong base that you know I broke my back this year in road, so I didn't do anything besides just snowboarding to save all my impacts for that and. You know, it took me maybe a week and a half, two weeks to get right back to where I needed to be just because my base is so solid wow. that, you know, just like that and you can get right back to where you need to be. Wow. Yeah, I've I've, uh, I've heard Apollo is just an absolute
0: maniac when it comes to his diet, when it comes to working out. Have you ever done the incline in uh, Minnesota Springs, Colorado?
1: <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking of that when you said that because I, I was in Denver visiting my sister and my parents were visiting her um, for father's day. And we were talking about it because I don't know if Apollo at least used to have the record for it Yeah. this year, you know, she'll go out there and do stuff or take clients out there. And she tells me that like, there's like this whole thing of people still talking about like Apollo's time on this incline, but I haven't done it yet. and I haven't been there. So I'd like to, I would like to do it at least once to kind of get the gist of it. And then uh, he gave me – he didn't remember for sure. It was like 17 minutes or 17 or something like insane because it's over a mile long, and it's like there's some spots that they say is like a 60-degree incline or something. Like I was just looking it up because I wanted to see how long it was, but I just know that people are like whispering still about Apollo's (laughs) – the myth of Apollo's time on
0: that – I'll never forget. All right. For those of you who don't know, the the incline is, it's like, I think it's just at a mile. And yeah. it's it's up the side of this mountain. Um,
1: right, tie, so it's like steps, but they're all different heights and things like that. All some,
0: some of them are like three railroad ties tall. <laughs> and so, but I remember, I remember hearing, oh, you know, Apollo Ono has like the, the record for it at 17 minutes. And in my mind, I'm like this arrogant sophomore in high school. I'm thinking, wow one mile in 17 minutes like I'm, I'm gonna crush this so we show up man and we didn't get a hundred yards into it and you're just running up the side of the thing and I had to stop put my hands on my knees and I was just gassed we ended up getting up in like it was like 43 minutes or something like that and it was it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done so I would love to go back and, and try it now because I feel like I'm a better athlete or at least I hope so yeah, um, but yeah that's
1: fun. I, I, I love running stairs because you know, that's something that John had us do. And that was like, literally such a strong part of my base when I started out with him for the first couple of years that I love steps. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you go back to Colorado, my sister took me out to Red Rocks Amphitheater. Yeah. Go before the shows. And it's like, it's literally it's such a cool vibe, because, you know, you have some tourists and some people chilling, but then you have like, fitness classes and boot camps and ki- and people just out there on their own. Some people are running the stairs. Some people are jumping the bleachers. Some people are zigzag. There's so much going on, but everybody's out there like getting it in. That it's like such a cool vibe. Yeah. Obviously, Red Rocks Amphitheater, if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's just like a beautiful, iconic venue. Um, and it was like one of the more fun things I've done on like a Saturday. Like I love hiking. I live in Utah, so going hiking is fun. But this was just beautiful where like – you're running steps and you're kind of getting it in like a little more like Rocky style and you can make it up as you go. But there's just so many people out there enjoying being active and yeah. um, Colorado and Utah both um, are, are great areas for people who love to be outdoors and love just to be active. And so I, I like the vibe of it, but that was fun. But Colorado Springs is definitely next on uh, my list of things I need to do. Yeah. It's a blast out there. I love it.
0: Now, I'd love to get into the story on, on how you became a snowboarder, because it seems like you are an athlete beyond snowboarding. So how did you fall into snowboarding, and, and uh, how did you get to where you are now?
1: You know, it, it's so funny, because people will like, where do you live? I live in Utah. Oh, okay, so you grew up there. And I didn't grow up in Utah. I grew up in Ohio, um, which is like, I grew up maybe 30, 45 minutes northwest of Columbus. And as you know, being from the Midwest and anybody from the Midwest knows, it's it's football, baseball, like stick and ball sports to the core. Yeah. You know, I did uh, I played soccer and I did all the club teams like ODP style. Um, and that was like, I love soccer. I was playing soccer since I was maybe like two, like on my sister's teams or at least practice with them. Yeah. My dad, my dad was a, a big-time wrestler, like a big-time uh, high school, college wrestler, not a big-time wrestler, but really into wrestling. And everybody thought I was going to be a wrestler. Um, but my dad's friends in wrestling used to tell him, like, get your kid into gymnastics, like, pre-puberty. It's, it's great for him. So my sister and I both started gymnastics. And then that kind of kept going and going, and I never really got out of it. So I did gymnastics until, uh, like, eighth grade. I competed, did the whole nine. And then, uh, we had a small 300 vertical foot hill outside my, my town in both called Mad River mountain. And my dad, well, we all started skiing, I guess first, my grandpa used to bring the family down cause my mom's from Ohio and it's a great time for all the family to get together and go do something in the winter. And then one day my dad and I saw snowboarding, We're like, Oh, that's, you know, we should try that. And I'm like five years old, six years old. Uh, and we just tried it, and we both fell in love with it. And just I remember, I remember like one of the first days going because, for for me, you know, Matter Mountain was like all I really knew for so. a yeah. Like I remember, it felt like it took us forever. Like we somebody would ride down and fall, and that's when we ride down and fall and be like, wait up, wait up, ride fall. And like that's how we we just didn't have any idea what we were doing. We just like this is fun. I we have no idea what the hell is going on right now, but we're trying to make it to the bottom. And I mean. Now it takes me 10 seconds to get down my hills. Yeah. It takes me maybe five. I yeah. felt like this was taking us like 20 minutes. Um, but I got le- lucky because my dad developed a passion for snowboarding before like I knew what having a passion for something was. So hmm. anytime I wanted to go snowboarding, he was like, I'm in. Let's go. We're going. We're going. Oh, so, um, but my, I remember I would do like a gymnastics meet in Chicago. My dad would drive through the night all the way to like Western PA. And then we'd go to like Seven Springs and uh, we'd ride there because they had a half pipe and a jump. And that's when I started like kind of getting into it. But I would be like, wake up and like, let's go. And he would be like, just so. <laughs> I mean, and have to like, get all excited. But we, it was such some of the best times road tripping around the Midwest with my dad. Like we would stay at, we stayed at a hotel every time we'd go to PA and you could rent the hotel by the hour. And what? we could back the van up to, I think we had a van in my dad's car. We'd back it up, throw all the stuff in the room, sleep on top of the covers, obviously. They'd give you a jug of water, like a gallon of water, because you couldn't use the water in the, in the faucet. Yeah. you either drink or whatever. You'd like get the minimum amount of time you could get to sleep and then go to the mountain and ride all day and then drive home. And it's just like, okay. So then we found out there was a snowboarding camp in Oregon in the summertime <clears throat> and it was called Wendell snowboard camp and my dad you know this is the kind of things they were like okay if you do well in school if you don't get in trouble yada 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 we can go to this and at the time you know it was it wasn't as nearly as expensive as it is now it was maybe like five to eight hundred dollars um we go to the last session in August which is like the last week the mountains open in August and we would literally ride rain or shine from opening to close. I remember just like, they'd like have to kick us out because a, we were just so excited to be snowboarding on a glacier on a volcano in the summertime. Um, but the fact that we we're spending this money, we we're like, Oh my, this is expensive. We're going to like, we're utilizing this to the max. And that's where I first started riding half Um, and it's funny, my, my first year, my coach is like one of the best snowboard photographers of all time. Now he used to be a pro, but he was my coach. And, he was the one who got me to try a halfpipe. My dad's like, "You got to try this. We don't have these in a while. You can ride jumps anywhere. Try this halfpipe thing."
0: Yeah,
1: it's funny now looking back that that's what you know. I went to the Olympics for, and that's what I mostly compete in. And uh, we met a kid and his dad there. See, my dad took the camp. That's the other thing. We got to like, my dad took the camp. Like, he was
0: he- in the camp with you.
1: Yeah. So we were. What too- a legend! I was too young to stay at the adult house. He was too old to stay at camp. they didn't know what to do with us so they they put us with the Japanese because there's a big Japanese clientele at the time so we were staying like off off like campgrounds or whatever they had at the time with the Japanese and that's where I met like a lot of like a lot of my favorite snowboarders when I was really little were Japanese because it's like that's who I like was hanging out with even though some of them didn't speak much English I obviously didn't speak Japanese but like Kazu, who's like one of my favorite snowboarders to this day, who's maybe a couple years older than me, he was like my age when he started going there, and that's how I met him. And um, so we, we started just riding. We were like, cool, this is fun. And then we met a kid maybe a couple years in to going camp. And uh, his dad was there. And he, this kid was like, I'm a jaw to the ground. This kid's a year younger than me. I'm like, this kid is insane. He was from New Hampshire. But his dad would say like, to tell my dad oh Louis has got it he's got it and we're like what are you talking about like your son's like so insane yeah so got these contests called usasa um which is like an amateur series throughout the whole country so you know you'd have like snow ohio you'd have mid-atlantic you'd have maybe northern vermont southern vermont like all these different regions and then nationals like you qualify for nationals and you know when you're young you're doing slalom giant slalom border cross, slow style in half pipe. Those are like the five disciplines. And so like, again, we'd go up We found out we'd go up to Cleveland. We had Boston Mills Brandywine was another resort and they'd go youngest to oldest to compete. And so I was the youngest pretty much. So I'd compete first and my dad was competing. So you got to remember that my dad's still snowboarding. With I love you. that man. He's so competitive. So like there's times like, so we would in, in the Midwest, which they don't have a lot in, in the West coast or the East coast is night riding. Like, you know, in my home mountain, we could ride till two or three in the morning on the weekend. So, you know, we wouldn't even be done competing until like, maybe like midnight or something. So my dad would literally, he'll tell you, he'd like either lay his jacket down or dig like a little like hole for me. And I could like lay down because he still hadn't competed because he's like the last group to compete. Wow. And then, so we created, it was such like a family thing for like the, you know, there's a lot of older kids that, you know, I'm still friends with today that you know, older than my sister, but then it was like a community. Cause it was just this tight knit crew of everybody that competed. Um, and then I'd go to nationals and be like middle of the pack, but our seasons ended in Ohio, like early March nationals would be like mid to end of April. So I'd be off snow for at least a month or more. And then I'm competing against kids from Tahoe who like, they still are going to be going home and snowboarding after right. that I've been off. Again, we go back to summer camp, and we became friends with this kid, Adam Dyroff, and his dad. And his dad said, so, well, "Your son's gonna, your son has it." i are like, "My son's getting middle of the pack. How are you telling me my son has it?" Hmm. Um, and then I met a coach in Pennsylvania at, at uh, Seven Springs, Well he owned a shop called Revolutions in Pittsburgh, and he was kind of helping me when I'd go there on the weekends. His son was a really good snowboarder who was also older. And he started coaching at a school called Stratton Mountain School in Vermont. So he was like, well, I'm, not, I'm going to be out of here, but you should, Louis, you should have Louis come to this school. My mom's like, no way. My kid's in sixth grade. There's no way. Seventh grade. No way. Still, still, he's still not mature enough to go. And then finally in eighth grade, <clears throat> I made a deal with my mom where my mom didn't want me to sacrifice my education to go. Um, so I took Latin for four years was like my deal. If I went to the school, I'd take Latin, but I went winter of eighth grade. So I had to get tutored in the fall and spring by this like old school Latin teacher. So everyone's like, oh yeah, school's out. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, I have Latin tutoring right now. And this dude like, I have really bad ADHD. So I'd like zone off and he like grabbed my face, physically grabbed my face and like focus, focus. Like, <laughs> well, I went to this school, and it was, like, the first time that I could snowboard every day. I had a coach, um, and I could go on trips. Because in Ohio, you know, I was a great student. I was in all the gifted programs, whatever. I did well in school, but I couldn't miss more than five days in a nine weeks, so they try to fail me. And like I said, they didn't understand snowboarding. So I couldn't go, like, oh, I have a snowboarding competition. Right. I said I had a football game, they'd be all good with it, but not right. snowboarding. So everything kind of worked out, but, you know, my mom was like, okay, as long as you stay, do well in school. My dad was like, okay, as long as you don't get in trouble, cause I'll pull you out so fast. I don't care that much about snowboarding. I care more about how you are as a person. Um, and then I remember eighth grade, I had a friend that flew a teacher, my dad, myself out on a PJ to the Olympics in 2002. Wow. And we got to go see half pipe and that was when the U S swept Ross powers won. Danny Cass got second JJ Thomas got third. So I was there. I watched it. Well, Ross powers graduated from SM from Stratton mountain school SMS. His coach was now coaching me. And I think that was the first time everything kind of, kind of clicked. I won that. And then I went and won nationals that year, in my age group too. So, you know, I won nationals. I had a coach that coached this Olympic champion now, um, and the Olympic champion went to my school. So I was like, everything kind of collided. I'm like, wow, I can actually like do this. And then I ended up going back to school for ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, graduated from there. So it's fall and spring where normal played soccer there. And then you snowboard in the morning, go to school in the afternoon. So it was literally like a snowboarding school. Yeah. But it's crazy. because My parents took a lot of slack for letting a 13 year old kid go to a boarding school. They're like, how are you letting your child go off? like you know so they took a lot it was a you know big financial commitment for them you know I think they put everything we own you know the collateral to send me to the school and you know a lot of slack from people but it ended up working out and I've been very fortunate and a lot so uh, you know quite a few of the kids I went to school with I still snowboard with now so like one of my kids that I was a that was my roommate my senior year we still compete together we still travel together um everything like that so it's it's been a pretty cool thing too and those are some of the best years of my life going to a snowboarding school it was skiing snowboarding and cross country skiing so it's like you got all these people who all are want to do the same thing you know living sleeping breathing training everything is all towards that um and you're in a dorm so it's like it's like summer camp on steroids almost it was it was a good time but uh, and then I moved to Utah when I graduated. I I got my house in Utah, and I've been here since. Wow. When
0: did when did you turn professional? Like when
1: for you to work with right there.
0: That's great. I love it. When when did you consider yourself to be a professional snowboarder?
1: Um. Well, what's, what's weird about snowboarding is, um, I guess there's different ways. Like I consider myself a pro. Like like sixteen, seventeen, when I when I started getting paid and you know started getting into like pro competitions yeah because <clears throat> you know in the beginning you know you get sponsors but they'll give you like pro form or just product um and to me like just getting product was like insane
0: right
1: like, so, like snowboard goggles and lenses and or clothes or t-shirts like i remember being i had a i had a shop sponsored called sun sports in columbus that was my first one and they would give me like t-shirts right you know just a I would, I think I just rotated through those t-shirts. And then when I first got sponsored, my first like real big board sponsor was Sims, same thing. Just all I wore was snowboarding shirts and some of my shop shirts. That's it. I didn't even care. It was just like free stuff, Christmas time. I get one box, two boxes a year. And it was just like, that's all I cared about, you know, but I had it cool. The Sims was really cool because the guy, the team manager we had, like he would check in with my parents seeing how my grades were and how I was doing in school. And I don't feel like you have that as much now. Like you'll see a lot more kids that I don't even know what kind of schooling they're doing, you know, but they're going to school. But like, right. my parents would never let me, they could, we could never homeschool and they would never let me do it online. So it was cool. that one of my first big sponsors put such an emphasis on my grades and how I was doing in school. Um, and that obviously like helped like made my parents way more into it because that was something that was really important to them. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I was like 16, 17. So it's been a long time.
0: Yeah. I love this story of your parents having such a well-balanced perspective. You know, I feel like sport is so good and like there's such a reward that you can get from it just on a personal level, but also like when you're good enough from a financial level. And I feel like a lot of parents try to force their kids into I mean the gymnastics world is crazy football world is crazy like these kids are training to be professional athletes at like age six yeah and I feel like it just produces probably like a lack of passion for the sport in the long term like you just get burnt out um and then also you lose along the way these important like it, it strips sport of the of the character development that it can so easily provide you know what I mean
1: yeah I mean it's I give parents i always get like the one thing i get nervous as a parent right is i feel like walk you have to walk that fine line in everything you do as a parent so if you know i have friends who par- whose parents were like super relaxed mm. and those are like the wild kids and then you have your parents, yeah. like, super strict and they were the wild kids so it's right. like okay so then you had to find that fine line okay like i never got grounded my growing up but I was so fearful of like disappointing my parents. Like we, we, like if I had a, you know, I, I could they're out of town. I would never think about throwing a party at my parents' house because I was like, I will die. Like, they're not going to obviously hit me. They're not going to ground me, but it's like just the thought of them being upset with me crushed me. Like it would be the worst thing ever. And same thing with sport is like, you want to push your kid because I think that the world nowadays, is, it's, like, so polarizing, of course, and everything, but it's, like, it's okay to be mediocre or it's, like, we're yeah. burned out. Yeah, it's that fine line because, like, I'm one of those people, and I'm not afraid to say it, is I'm against participation trophies, participation ribbons, right? Because yeah. Me, you got to learn there's there – in, like, in life, you know, you're not going to get everything you want. You don't get a pat on your back for trying – um, you're going to get told no. You're going to fail. You're going to succeed. Whatever it is, there's, there's like winners and losers in life because like when I go out and snowboard, like they're not telling me like great job. I'll tell you what, if I do bad, when my contract's up with a sponsor, I'm probably going to hear about my bad. Yeah. <laughs> my bad season. They're not saying, well, like, it's okay. No, it's just not like that. So I think it's it's so crazy for parents to to walk that line of pushing their kids, but almost having that, extra ability to read them and sense it because there's days you know where you might not want to work and it you do need that kick in the butt to go do that extra work and do something that everybody else isn't willing to do but at the same time what is it where you're taking and you're smothering the fire for that sport or the drive for that sport of your in your kid um, and like you said like you see it nowadays in so many sports um, it's it's really hard I feel like to walk that line but I also feel like it's hard my dad didn't live vicariously through me but he knew the work that he had to put in and he knew the work that it took to be great that I got in wanting the best for me wanting me to succeed but not living through me it it, I, I don't know if it makes sense in my head but like that's the thing I think you see so many people are like Parents try to live through their kids, or like look at them as like their ticket to being a stardom. I guess like right, father of this NFL player, I'm the father of this major league baseball player. But what I my dad was is you know a lot of the things that he instilled in me carry outside of outside of sports and athletics is like that drive you can take into the business world, that drive you take into school, into a relationship, all these things where. You're instilling these qualities that you apply to sports, but it doesn't, it, it goes a, across the board in life. Right. But, you know, I, obviously I get my competitiveness from my dad almost like my competitiveness is almost to a fault sometimes, but I would never, I would never take away how competitive I am. I'm, you know, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm curious the boarding school thing is, I mean, in the Midwest, it's kind of a foreign concept. And for, for me, like there's no football boarding school. It sounds like you had such a great relationship with your dad. When you were set on going to the Stratton mountain school, was it hard for you to like leave that relationship with your dad? Cause you're, you're on your own at that point, And then you leave straight for Utah right after that.
1: No, I, I think it, the problem, the thing that was hard was whenever I'd go home for like Christmas or whatever I'd be going home for, because you see your friends and you realize everything that you're missing out on, right? Yeah. Like, you're, you're – I mean, you got to think at the time, too. Like, I was using calling cards, man, to, like, call home. Like, guess how I have a $50 dollars $50 calling card or whatever. And, but my parents, you know, I talk to my parents still every day. I talk to my dad, and I do a lot of work together. So I talk to him multiple times. I talk to my mom, you know, every day, especially because they don't necessarily, like – I'll be like, Mom, be like, I haven't talked to him. Like, well, I talked to Dad. She's like – yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make sure I get hit both of them. But um, it was mostly friends, you know, like what you're missing back. Yeah. But it was only like it was a short period when you come back to school because there you're living with these kids and you, it's like your friends there you're living with and you're all snowboarding together, you're traveling together, you're going to class. I mean, we had, I mean, I honestly like my Latin class was obviously small because nobody wanted to take Latin because we had like the, the head honcho, the lady that was like the mean one. She was a line teacher, so, I mean, I had, like, one other kid in that class, but I think my graduating class, I maybe only had, like, 15 or 20 people, so, yeah. it was small, it was a small group, um, but that was what was hard, was, like, okay, you're, you're not riding with your friends anymore, you're not playing soccer with them, you're not playing baseball with them, whatever it was, you're not hanging out, you're not going to this birthday party or this kid's party or in high school you come home in the summertime it in high school and everybody like splits off like middle school and high school it's like this person's hanging with this this person thing and you get home and you're like whoa like what what happened like how so-and-so doesn't hang out with this person anymore like and you're like the clicks like all separated at work I guess it became clicks then and it was and that was like what was weird you know you miss a lot of stuff like that but at the same time for me like I'm around people that understand what I want to do and where I want to go and like dreams and aspirations where in Ohio, they didn't really get it.
0: Right. Yeah. It is. It's so cool because so you, you first started competing at age 13, you said, which is, which is what Uh, year?
1: Yeah. Maybe. No, 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 no. I competed maybe like 10.
0: Really? So what year was that?
1: I can probably look this up with my first year, like probably like 98, 99.
0: So at this point, like snowboarding is a re- relatively new sport.
1: Yeah. It wasn't right? until 98 Olympics was the first snowboard. was the first time snowboarding was in the Olympics.
0: So, I mean, you, it was revolutionary of you to jump right into snowboarding like this because a, you're in Columbus, Ohio, where the, you know, the fandom for Ohio state and football, like Ohio is football country. I feel like, and oh. you're doing snowboarding and then, at that point snowboarding is so young it's 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 kind of a cool story of you you were it's very novel thing for you to do you know
1: yeah i mean it it was weird because like that's what made it like such a tight-knit family when we go up to boston Mills, brandywine is because you know you're with it really was a bunch of punk kids snowboarding skateboarding that kind of stuff like people that didn't do the norm you know they weren't football players a lot of them probably weren't the most popular kids or they were this or that you know and it was just like these are the people I, I you know I snowboard with I, I would these kids were like in high school and I'm like in elementary school but they would like let me ride with them and like help me and like I mean that's what, what I love about snowboarding is it's you learn I think you even like I have a coach and all that but you learn so much when you're just riding with your friends and you're like just dicking around and just cruising and you know I was fortunate to having these you know great older kids that that would let me ride with them when I was young because dude, they're like 15, 16, 17 years old. And I'm like eight, nine, 10, 11, you know what I mean? Like a little kid. And he, and, and that was so fun. And, you know, they were cool. My dad was riding and my dad wasn't like a helicopter dad. You know, he like just enjoyed snowboarding. He would let me go do my thing or we would ride together, but he was always down. And, you know, he, again, he's so competitive. He was like learning, he's competing at nationals with That's me. Great um and then he had to make the choice when I got older at nationals because there was like the young young kids and the older guys were in one group like okay you'd have half pipe today this other group would have slope style because there's so many kids there <clears throat> and then uh we separated because I got older so I went to a different group so he was like do I compete or do I support my kid and he's like well you know I'm a father so my kid comes hmm. first and I have to stop competing and then he started you know watching me and you know, my mom and my sister started snowboarding. My sister competed as well. Um, so it was like a, a family thing. You know, that's what we do is like on our family vacation. We might like, we go to like Park City for Thanksgiving or something. Yeah. And now it's crazy. Now it's like to go to a resort on a holiday. Like if you go to a Vail resort, $160, 180 for a ticket. Like I, it's, I think I'm fortunate because I don't know if I would be where I am if I grew up now with how expensive everything is yeah
0: man yeah. Vale. we we always take uh me and my brother take a trip out to parks or one of the Vale resorts every year the, the week after christmas yeah. and a it's super expensive b it's so crowded we go on the most crowded week of the year and yeah. at some point I, I feel like we're gonna have to bounce to do what are your favorite mountains to ride
1: <clears throat> well i normally get a pass to copper mountain which is where I ride a half pipe, because they have a great half pipe there in Colorado. And then snowbird in Utah is like my home Hill. And I, that's like one of my favorite resorts in the world. And Brighton's really fun too. And Brighton's just down the street as well for me, but I love going to mammoth uh, mammoth. I always spend a lot of time in the spring there, mm-hmm. it's, you know, California, it's sunny so often there. Yeah. I go to New Zealand every summer cause opposite seasons for them that's fun and that's just like beautiful um, Japan I've been going to this resort called Amori Spring which is like amazing in Japan and that you just factor in like the food and the people the Yeah. but it, I always say like you can have some of the best days anywhere as long as you have you know, good snow and a good group of people but those are like some of my favorite places that I ride I, you know Snowbird when I'm home is where I have a pass to and Copper is where I have a pass to during the winter mm-hmm. uh, I love. I'm still like. I love to ride anywhere. Like if you're like, let's go to this place. i like, cool. You know, I go to Powder Mountain, Snow Basin. You know, we have so many resorts here in Utah that it's fun to go ride something different. Because when I'm home, I just want to go cruise around with friends. Unless it snows, and then you're like, you know, set up a big pow board and just go rip it with your friends again. You know, and and that's what I what I love the most is just just riding. People are like, you want to ride with me? I. And I'm like, why? Like I, I just like snowboarding. I love. Yeah passion and seeing people stoked on what I get to do all the time, you know, it's like if anything, you know, if someone, you bring somebody to do your sport and they like love it, like it makes you feel good because that's, like, that's what you do. Yeah.
0: one of, One of the things we always touch on in these interviews is the team of, of people who have helped you achieve your goals and your level of success. I'd love to hear you talk about, it sounds like your parents obviously yeah. sacrificed a lot you have a coach who who are the people that you have in your life that that help push you towards your goals
1: um i mean you see people come in and out obviously like coaches and and people like that you know like everybody in boston knows brandy wine growing up they played a major part because they let me snowboard with them them all the time you know and like i see a lot of them like you know my buddy rob catalana is still and he's out in colorado now chris clark he's a He's a snowboard coach. He, he was a coach of the Paralympic – no, he coached the Paralympic team, then he coached China, and now he's coaching Korea. So I see him all the time. Doug and Mark Ratafield were, like, pros from the area um, that I used to ride with. Jesse Sinzak, who actually I still stay in touch with. You know, the Ohio guys I see quite a bit still, the order guys. And, you know, just the fact that they let me ride with them, my mom, my dad. Um, Ross Hinman was this guy that helped me out in um, PA. Scott Palmer was, like, my main coach at SMS when I first got there. Mike Jankowski was the coach there. He He's a, one of the high-up coaches at the U.S. team now. Ricky Bauer, uh, Mike Mallon, Rick Schimpeno, and Rick Schimpano, Mike Mallon and Rick Schimpeno were at my school as well, but um, Mike Mallon runs USASA, so I see him all the time. He's, like, the head honcho for the amateur series which I'm a big supporter of. And then uh, Rick Schimpano's a – one of the US team coaches now, so I see him everywhere. Uh I work with JJ Thomas was a good friend and a and a coach of mine for a while. Elijah Teeter's my coach now. And then like, you know, like Danny Katz was like my big brother and idol. Um, you know, just the times he let me stay on the he had a RV that he had a Grenade was a company he owned and he used to let me just hang around and, you know, pretty much take care of me and be a big brother. I've had a lot of big brothers and then like, just like your friends, you grew up riding with those guys are all, Yeah. I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of people. So, but there's some off the top, but it was cool because I still see a lot of them.
0: Yeah.
1: So like, you know, I, when we say like Sean and I go way back, like eight, nine years, like these guys, some of them I've known since I was like eight years old, you know, like that's crazy to think about, you know, Scotty Lego. I grew up, I I went to the Olympics with his good friend of mine still, but I met him when I was still living in Ohio. So that's like, you know, 13 years old, 12 years old. him, And, you know, we, you know, you, out of all the kids, it's like, it's like you playing football with somebody from, you know, maybe another state you met at a football camp and you just stayed in touch with, and you guys both make it to the NFL. It's like, right. Hard to, to really fathom that happening, but it happened. So, you know i think a lot goes into your friends you got to get a good group of friends that you know you just have fun or riding with because that's when you learn the most and you're not thinking about it
0: right um i would love to talk about the culture of snowboarding you kind of addressed it earlier it's kind of like this counter rebellious kid i feel like that's changed a lot but but walk me through what's what's the perception and what's the reality of the snowboarding culture
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's definitely changed a lot. You know, the Olympics changes a lot of it. Um, Different companies coming into snowboarding has changed a lot of it. But before, you know, it was. It was like a bunch of kids that maybe weren't weren't like your atypical athlete jobs.
0: Right.
1: Um, And then, you know, it was obviously like a snowboard hard, party hard. And that was like those were, I mean, those were fun times, but it's, like, nowadays, it's, like, really hard to do, because this is the stuff that we're doing on a snowboard, like, you need to, I feel like you have to be there 100%, and your head, like, ready to go, um, but, like, when I started, like, really taking, like, the gym stuff, my dad was always preaching it to me, but, you know, when it's coming from your dad, and, like, it doesn't fit with the culture, and what you grew up knowing in snowboarding, it was, it's always hard to understand it, so then when I started going to the gym, like, People still didn't really understand it and thought it was like whack. You know, I was like, this kid's like going to the gym. Like, what are you yeah. like? You're, gonna, you're doing steroids, you know? Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, instantly just gym steroids. Just like make fun of you. You're starting to see it come over, like switching over. But I mean, when you have these corporate sponsors that are willing to support you and support your sport, you know, it's like things are a little bit different, right? You can't get away with some of the things that you did before when you're sports, like the number one viewed sport in the winter Olympics, people are watching you more like before so-and-so could get arrested for being drunk somewhere and nobody would care It'd be snowboarding. It'd be like in a snowboarding magazine. People would laugh, carry on. Nowadays, like you get that and it's going to be on ESPN, you know, sponsors are going to be probably going to cut you for dumb stuff like that. Like there's, there's more consequence and it's like under a microscope a lot more um, you know, I've been fortunate. Like I stopped drinking uh, seven years ago. And that's like obviously that was my personal choice. I just was like, I'm good, and I don't really miss it anymore. But it's also helped me too because it's a good thing I can make sure, like you know, out of snowboarding sponsors, like I'm not you, know, you don't have to worry about a DUI with me. You don't have to worry about a possession yeah. with me, and that's helped. But for me, it was more like my health. I want to, you know, you have a small window to be the best that you can be. Why not utilize it? Cause I can party just as hard when I'm 35, 36 as I was 25, pretty much, you know, like, and I've already like, look at it. Now I have all these goals that I've accomplished. I got money in the bank. Everything's good. Now I'm 35. I can enjoy myself. I don't have to be in prime time shape. But that was like my thought. Now, you know, once I hit six months, I didn't miss it. And now it's like seven years. and when I turn 35, I don't even know if I will be drinking, even if I'm snowboarding or not. It's just things change, and I kind of grew out of things. But you start seeing more and more people go to the gym, but it's still a great thing for snowboarding is if you can skate, it helps. Skateboarding helps your snowboarding. So you see a lot of snowboarders that are really good skateboarders, and a lot of people do that in the summers. For me, I just didn't want to get hurt snowboard, skateboarding. So yeah. like, snowboard. But I like, for me, like, my passions are like snowboarding. And I love working out. Like those are the two things. Cause I love the mental clarity of going to the gym, putting your body through the test, putting your mind through the test and trying to, you know, when you're about to fail, like pushing through. And I think that helps me in snowboarding helps me in everything. But I like get addicted to that. Like when your body's telling you no, but you're saying yes. And you're like pushing through that. It's like an addicting thing for me. And then I feel better when I go, If I'm going snowboarding and I get hurt or whatever. Okay, I'm in the best shape I can be. My body's healthy, so if I have to get surgery or I have to rehab, that's going to be that time's going to be cut down because I'm in shape. My body's just running well, and you know it's, it's it's cliche to say your body's a temple or it's like a fine tuned machine, but it's like it is. You got what you put into it helps you out with recovery, um, being able to do some of the, the tricks or take the slams that you take and get back up.
0: Hmm.
1: But it's changed. Yeah, it's changed a lot one of the
0: things that I came across in preparing for this was you, you actually are pretty vocal about your sobriety. And you're saying the, the main inspiration for for that was just to prepare your body for, for snowboarding? So
1: I like went to Vegas for Supercross, which is like it's like a big it's like the finals for like dirt bike racing. And like I went big, four days, four nights, and I was like hungover for like a week. I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm just like dude like tweaked my knee and I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna go chill. So then <laughs> I went to go see my trainer now, John, and I went to him for five and a half weeks. And so he's anti drinking though, like drinking one beer is like a week of working out in his eyes. Like one beer. Hmm. So he that's how it gets to you. So I was there for five and a half weeks of just straight death. Like death. Like read Apollo's book, uh Zero Regrets and he has like A chapter talking about like not being able to walk. Like I want to be able to like walk down curbs or whatever. And and John like, all right, get the fifties and forties, and we're running steps. I'm like, I can't even walk down a step, but I got to run with these weights. So that was like five and a half weeks, and I came back home to Utah and I was skateboarding with my buddy Stevie Bell, who like is like one of my best friends that was living out here. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go for two months. He's like you're at two months, you're at five and a half weeks. Like that's kind of a weak goal. Like go for three. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go for three. And okay, I'm gonna go for four. I'm gonna go for five. And so like, I was just competitive with that too. Like, I'm like, how long can I go? And then summer X games was at the six month mark. And then I was like, well, if I can get through summer X games, because summer X games, I would go and hang out. And all you do is just party and hang out and like, go watch your friends compete in summer X games. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. yeah that and then that was literally six months i went to new zealand right from there and new zealand's not nearly as wild as it used to be when we were all younger and so there i was like no problem so then it's like seven eight months right after that and then it's kind of like you're just competitive with it and now it's like okay well if i drink now when am i ever gonna go like seven years is a hard it's not like i went like a month and like okay and you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. three months, you know, it's like seven years. It's like really hard to like start over. Right. Something I haven't caved is like, honestly, because I just like, I'm so competitive with myself that seven years is a long time to like start the timer back over. But like, I've been, I didn't have a problem. I don't have to go to AA. I, I, I could like, I could drink a beer right now and be good. But I was never, I didn't really like social. Like I wasn't like, I never was that kid that got done snowboarding. It was like, I need a beer. Hmm. So like, if I drank, we were going out. And so, and, and, and then it was like, I felt like even before I stopped, it felt like I was taking two steps forward at the gym and then one step back and I'd go out two steps forward. So now I'm, like, right. oh. you know, and, and like, I, you know, I just wanted to take these last chunk of time serious, which, you know, hindsight, you wish you had done it younger, but, um, it's, it's hard but it was hard to to think about that back then now it's like oh yeah it's a no-brainer you know just take these slams there's like been plenty of slams where I'm like I'm happy that my body's in the shape that it's in to take some of those hits but
0: yeah, I don't my parents aren't
1: really big drinkers though either you know like they'll have like a beer or two maybe I've seen my parents split a beer you know what I mean like it's not yeah. like a big a big thing with them so I think that too but I guess I miss wine. Wine would be nice, like a glass of red wine. I'm Italian, so it's like a glass of red wine. But it's more of a competitive thing. And now, like, I just don't really – it doesn't really change anything. If I drink or if I don't drink, it doesn't change for me. Because it's not, like, it's not life or death. Like, I could easily do it. So with, with that, then it's, like, a competitive thing. Mm. If I had a problem drinking, then maybe it would be different. Like, I can't. But now I can. And people are like, are you, like – You know one time are you gonna drink after the olympics are you gonna drink after this olympics are you gonna drink now it's like uh, like it doesn't doesn't bother me i don't know but if i one day i might wake up and be like i need to have a bottle of wine or a glass of wine or whatever it is and maybe i will but like seven years man that's a long time to start over (laughs)
0: yeah yeah no joke louis so your your decorations and snowboarding it's a long list you're an Olympian, six-time, I believe, medalist at the X Games, 19 medals at the Grand Prix, eight Duke Tour medals. I could be am, – am I accurate with all those, I think?
1: Uh, those are big numbers. I, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I've, like, had multiple podiums, U.S. Opens, overall Duke, Duke Tour, overall Grand Prix. I mean, it, it's been really, really good. Like, I went on a tear of, like, 22 out of 25 contests I at Podium wow. so Daps in a three-year span. And that was that was great. It's, like, so I feel like now it's, you know, everything I do now is just because I want to do it. You know, I don't have anything right. that I need to prove. I don't, I don't have, like, anything that will def- define me um, as a snowboarder. Now it's just, like, because I still love it, people are, like, you know, some people hate competing. I love competing. I love like that pressure of like having to do it right then and there. You get two runs. See, so, yeah, I don't even like it now that a lot of the contests and finally we have three runs because there's a lot of people who can't land one of two, but when you get one of three, when you have to land one of three, it's like a complete game changer for life. Right. I like that pressure of having to do it then and there. Um, so I enjoy competing and it's like, it's hard for me to go ride a half pipe And, like, before a competition, let's say a week before a contest, or not even having a contest, but like not trying to push yourself, like being content, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, (laughs) always want to try to get better. So, I think contest is a great way for that for me because it kind of gives you a goal to get something done by or something that you're working towards. Um, yeah, I've been competing for a long time. And uh it's been great, it's, you know. Painful ups and downs, like everything in life. But uh at the end of the day, I'm thankful that I'm still standing. And yeah, need to talk about it with people like you.
0: What what uh what goals do you still have at this point?
1: Um, with your career. Uh,
0: if you say you're so content,
1: I'm not. You like- I'm you know I'm I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied. Right. So I'd always want to get more podiums more wins obviously every time that's why I, every time i compete i want to win um i'd love to go to another olympics you know i've had a couple rough goes uh with things that are somewhat out of my control i guess some in my, it's kind of in my control but it's kind of out of my control too um but you know for me it just keep pushing i want to go to every contest i do i want to win so it's like it's more like things like that and like when people Doubt you? Okay, well, that just the fuel to the fire. I want to now. I want to do better. I want to show you at this next contest. Yeah. But I mean, for me, it's just like I just love competing. I love snowboarding. So every contest I do, I'm going to want to win. But it's not like I have like a checklist. But I would like to try it for another Olympics if my body lets me. Yeah.
0: You also just this year won the Mike Jacoby Jacoby oh. Cup Award, yeah. Uh which. From the organization, the USASA, I think, said that there hasn't been a a young snowboarder that hasn't been high-fived or encouraged by Louis Vito. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty cool award to win. I'm curious, what of your long list of accomplishments are you most proud of?
1: Um, you know, I think that the Mike Jacoby Award was, was kind of, I didn't even know about it. I got an email about it. <laughs> the USASA is, organi- is the national governing body for ski and snow they It'd be like USA gymnastics. Yeah. Um, but that one's probably my parents are one of the, one of them they're the most proud of because um, it recognizes like, obviously what I've done in the sport, but also like um, being a great ambassador and uh, pretty much you're representing your sport in a positive light on the world stage and influencing younger kids. And for me, like I love riding with the, with like little grobs because it's like brings back memories of of when you were a kid and how stoked you were and you know like the littlest thing these kids get so hyped on. So like I do. I mean it's true. Like I, I love saying what's up to them all, making sure they're all having fun and talking about because, you know, that that was me. You know, I was like if a Danny Cass, even when I was like sixteen and I was friends with Danny, like if he gave me a compliment on something I did, like that was like massive. Um I got top fifty fittest athletes uh, for men's health, and that's, like, one that I like, and that's, like, not even snowboarding related, but I love that. Like, going to the Olympics uh, was great just because, you know, I grew up right in Ohio. I never – no half-pipe, really, so I never, like, dreamed of – that that's where – like, when I started snowboarding, it wasn't to make the Olympics. Um, and then, like, competing at my first X Games, winning my first X Games, those are all, like, big m- moments. Like, going to my first X Games, that's what I grew up watching, like, on VHS tape at all. I would watch every crazy sport that they had summer winter doesn't matter just anything snowboarding I watched But X games like being there for the first time like whoa and then you have know, to like kind of snap out of it, like okay I'm competing but like I trying to take it in and compete at the same time so those were like the those are like just a couple that mean a lot to me um just because of like personal reasons more than anything
0: yeah I saw you just posted uh on your Instagram your ESPN body issue shoot It was a lot of skin, Louis. That was a lot.
1: (laughs) I didn't, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. But I didn't realize, like, I honestly, I think I, because there wasn't that many before, maybe like two or three before I did mine. And I I didn't know that like you were actually like really naked. Like, I don't know what I thought, but I was in New Zealand. So I didn't even work out for like three weeks because I was just snowboarding. And then I got snowed in in new zealand which is like really rare and then i didn't know if i was gonna still be able to shoot it because i was a week late and then we ended up shooting it and uh i was like hoping i'm mean, gonna give me some good lighting give me some like oil maybe like photoshop a little bit but no nah, i didn't do any of that so it was like <clears throat> definitely different than what i was expecting and definitely out of my comfort zone but i already did Dancing with the stars at that point so like dancing with the stars and snowboarding like here so i felt like the body like this far away so if i didn't the stars it would have been like well it's just really big but since i already went way over it didn't seem as big of a deal but you know that's something that like it's funny because apollo said the same thing Like, we both wanted to reshoot ours because it's like i didn't work out for like three weeks a month before that shoot and i was like interesting but now it's like you know that was like my first year with john so it's like that's like my base is stronger than what it was in that photo. So I'd love to reshoot it now. I'm in way better shape than I was even there. But yeah, because it was like the 10th anniversary. So I was like, I'll, I'll throw that out. You know, now it's like before when it came out, you know, you're kind of like still like a little, in my industry, man, there wasn't, it's not like the coolest. Thing to do. But again, it's like, my, uh. I, I want to do it. And I would like to do things my way and what means a lot to me. So yeah. like, it's like, I don't care. That's why I said like, all right, I know, I got to have still going to have people like give me crap about it in my comments. So go for it. I don't care, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah. I'm curious. What do you want your legacy in the sport of snowboarding to be? You have your, uh, your annual rail jam charity event. Um,
1: yeah. it's like 15 years, I think, or something like 15 that.
0: 15 years. Wow. What do you want people to to associate with the name Louis Vito when they um, talk about snowboarding?
1: I think in snowboarding is like, Obviously what I've done on my snowboard and the things that I've accomplished because, you know, like I've had a long career. I've done almost everything you can do contest wise, you know, I've had like streaks of podiums that no one's really done. But I think on top of it, it's just that I want people to remember like when they were a kid, like how I treated them. And because mm-hmm. I had like Jeremy Jones and JP Walker were two snowboarders that are like legends in my that I met when I was a little kid that played a very important role in my life of how they treated me when I was like a nobody. But it's something, you know, 20 years later, I still remember because of how they treated me. And so it's like, you know, I want people to be like, you will lose like a, like a great person. And that's what I think my parents would always like to hear too, is a great person before anything. So yes. Like that's why the Mike Jacoby Award meant a lot because it it definitely that played a part on the person I am, on top of the type of snowboarder I am. So I think that's always you know some you know people will think that I was a great person, a great influence, a great role model, and and just positive you know because they are gonna face ups and downs, but it's like how you react to it.
0: Yeah, man, I, I love your approach to your training. It seems like you're you're extremely devoted to. It. I was watching some of your videos. And your explosiveness doing these single leg stair jumps oh, and yeah, yeah. and weighted stair jumps. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Like I, I've rarely ever seen that.
1: Yeah, I got I have that today. It's like everything is like it's what I learned was, you know, and it's funny. <clears throat> John showed me. It's like everything's short and intense, right? So it's like I call it water cooler talk. We don't have any water cooler talk. So like I have a lift today. Like I already did an, a progressive interval today which sucked. I did that this morning and I have a lift today. (laughs) We'll be doing single leg squats. So you'll like rep out your left leg, rep out your right leg, and then you're holding down in a squat position for 10 seconds. Rep out your left, rep out your right. Then you're holding squat. You do that, you know, between low and high squat holds all the way through till you finish all your sets. And then you're like grabbing dumbbells and you're doing 30 hops onto the second step. And then you go right to your leg, press and do all that. And then you go, third or 20 hops on the third set you know it's like everything just go 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 and i remember when i first worked out them i was i think i i was sweating more after a lift than i did on a run hmm. which is insane to me because i used to you know i used to barely ever sweat when i would lift because you do a set you know go drink some water maybe go yeah. i see people at the gym like scroll instagram as soon as they finish the set and i'm like my phone's only there to look at my workout and then I put it down and I'm like, but how fast can I bang all this stuff out? Like so get out of here. It's death. Yeah. But it's, it's like a pain. It's like an addicting pain. It's like, you know, when you're like can barely breathe and your legs are super full and you know, everything's saying like this sucks and you just push through it and then you're done and you're like, it's the best feeling in the world. I love that feeling. when you're done. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't
1: like going to the gym, but I love it. It's like weird. It's like, I don't, I don't, it's a love hate. Hey, really is. A I hate going to the gym, but I love it at the same time.
0: Yeah. What is your what's your mindset when you're about to uh, go down a run on um, a competition? I mean, for those of you who have never seen a, a super pipe in person, how to, the walls are what 10, 12 feet high?
1: They're twenty two feet high.
0: Twenty two feet high. I've been down the super pipe once, and I was just trying to get up and touch the ledge. Yeah. it's walls of ice essentially is the closest thing you could yeah and so to get to the top much less get air you have to go all in like you got to just rip it send it and you know hope that i guess you come down yeah with your board in line
1: it's crazy because you, you know pipes have evolved from like hand up, bigger bigger so like for a while they were making the transition from 18 foot to 22 foot which completely changed changes the transition. So I remember we were at like eight, you know, how many mountains I had 22 at the time. So like you'd show up to get ready for a contest. That'd be a 22 foot contest. And you're like coming in so fast. You're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go so high right now. <laughs> yeah. you air out because you had to take so much speed to go, you know, to make it up the transition. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the 22 feet high uh, for me, if it's a contest, What's great about snowboarding is, like, even if it's live, they tell you, okay, you're good to go, judges are ready, you go to, like, your whatever spot you want to start at. But realistically, you can take as much time as you want. So, like, you get there, you know, make sure your bindings are tight, make sure your song – I always listen to music, so it's like, your song's going, take a deep breath, I do the sign of the cross, and, and I go. Um, I used to, like, say – you know, there's some things like, you know, you would say to yourself, um, whether it's just, like, you know, if it's, like, maybe, like, a tidbit information that you need to know, like, all right, be patient on this first hit or, yeah. you know, screw it or have fun or whatever. you, whatever. Sometimes I say stuff to myself as I'm dropping in. But for the most part, you know, it's – by after that first hit, you're pretty much – you can't hear anything. You can't see. Like, you don't mm-hmm. you know. You're just doing your thing, so.
0: Yeah. Do um, you compare it more to, like, a golfer's mentality where it's just this internal focus or – I mean, football, it's all this kind of external aggression. It's me versus you.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the one thing nice that I was saying to somebody at Reggie's event that I like, like about golf is you have a bad shot in golf, you're good. If you have a bad takeoff or a bad anything, it's, oh, man, it hurts. So it's like you have it's, – it's a med, big mental because uh, it is just used, but you have to, like, let's say – some half pipes are more verty. some are laid back, some have a kink in it. So it's like, you have to adjust a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's making sure, okay, I got to pop really hard so I can make it back in this half pipe or don't pop or don't leave early or like you might've like bumped and like lost a little bit of speed. And then it's like, okay, I got to throw it really hard now. So it's a lot of mental cause you're controlling just you, but at the same time you might need that aggression to get a trick around because the trick's really big, and then it's like more like, like we always say sometimes it's like you know you versus a half pipe because a half pipe will take you out more than anything. You're like, well, the halfpipe won that battle because know yeah. that thing, if you don't land perfect, it's it's definitely painful. So I think it's a little mixed. It's just you have to be aggressive on some tricks just because of what you're doing, but it's very mental because you have to be calm and know like when to snap and be patient. And like, wait, 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 now go. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, you're aggressive, but you almost have to like, let it build, like build, 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 build. build, Now release it. Yeah. Sometimes I wish though, the hard thing with our sports subjective. So like a judge could be judging me and you, we could do the same thing, but if they'd never seen you do that and they're like, Whoa, yeah. Hooked up more. Whereas I wish it was sometimes like me versus you. Where it's like, or a race and it's timed because then it's like there's no, it's not subjective. It's, there's no human element to it as much. Like if it was like, you know, football and you're about to run head on with somebody. It's you're either gonna truck the person or you're gonna get tackled. That's yeah. It's not like you can truck the person and then they're gonna be like, actually, we're gonna bring you back even five yards even further backwards just because yeah. you, didn't look, you you almost. <laughs> fell. But I made it. I like, you uh, almost fell. So, um, that's like the only frustrating is like this being, it being, it being a subjective sport makes it frustrating. But other than that, I like that you can be kind of, there is no right or wrong. You do whatever you want to do. You just make it look completely different.
0: So your, your snowboarding success has led to some degree of Hollywood exposure. You've done MTV challenge. You've done dancing with the stars. You had a Red Bull series. Uh, all about Louis, living with Louis Vito or living Louis Vito, yeah. what has been your favorite uh not what has been your favorite thing you 've done that 's been outside of snowboarding?
1: yeah of the stars was cool because it 's so different than what I did yeah I have a whole new demographic, and my whole thing was two things with that was if I could bring you know we had twenty two million people a week watching that show. if you could bring less than one percent to snowboarding, then right. You know, introducing a whole chunk of people to your sport. And then the other one is if I could do this where I'm like dancing, where I have no confidence, no idea what I'm doing, not what the judges want, live audience, live judging, clothes you'd never seen me wear on Halloween. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing what I know I can, how to do. I know what the judges want to see. I'm wearing what I want to wear. It's like dancing with the stars. Are like when they say go, you're going. and nobody, you know, you get to your spot. You know, if you have an itch, you can like scratch yourself. Whatever, you can wipe your eyes and be like, "Okay, I'm hold on. Okay, now I'm good to go." Um, I, I hosted X Games while I was competing. That was pretty cool for ESPN. So summer, obviously, I just did all the hosting, uh, and then winter, I hosted and competed, and then that was a fun one. Um, me and Eric Coston who's like a legend skateboarder as well, we had like this real small cameo and point break the new one and that one was fun just because it's like you go in there we flew over shot like two nights at this like sweet place in austria and it was like oh you're there to make the movie more legit with like real snowboarders real action and you fly out and that was like fun because all you had to do was like hang out like we just want you to hang out to make us like this movie more legit uh, and then I got to shoot 100 Things to Do Before High School, which was like a Nickelodeon show. That was funny because that was like somebody wrote for like what Louis Vita sounds like. So that was pretty funny. Like, let's tweak this one. No, let's tweak that. Yeah. But I think the one of the coolest things, um, I had a deal with McDonald's, which was cool. And I had a commercial. Um, I had a bag. And I had a cup and that was like, you that's know, crazy. Um, that to me was like, that's going to be hard to top in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you, what do you feel like has
0: been the one thing characteristic or mindset or activity that you've done that you feel like is your secret sauce that's contributed most to your success?
1: You know, I think a lot of my success has come from what my parents have instilled in me, like, having their support, but the work ethic that, you know, I've had. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that I haven't had help, obviously, because I have, but not, like, you know, I've seen where there's the kids I'm competing with and, like, you know, especially when you're coming up and, you know, you have these sponsors, they have these sponsors, and then one day they're, like, their sponsor's like, this dude's going to be a guy. Like, and just, like, blow right. You know, I've never really had a sponsor do that and I never, like, have been necessarily, like, the rider's rider because I've done things like Dancing with the Stars. I've done things like Body Issue. That's not, like, a core thing. Um, So that's always been hard, but, like, for me, it was, like, I'm always going to be work my rear end off on and off the snow because, like Apollo says, too, you know, you have zero regrets. So no matter what happens, you know, throughout my whole career, I can look back and have no regrets. I did everything I could. I was in the best shape possible. I worked so hard. Um, I, I put myself in the position to succeed. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. God has a a plan for me. And there's a, a, you know, something much bigger than just snowboarding snowboarding is just a small part of my life that, um, it's just not meant to be. And that's how I've always kind of tried to try to live, but I'm so competitive that I always wanted to work and I always wanted to be better and, How can I get better? And I think that just comes from, you know, obviously the Midwest blue-collar upbringing. My dad, you know, being raised by a single immigrant mother. um, And my my mom, you know, born and raised in Ohio um, by a very very blue-collar family. And it's like, you work, you get what you work for. Mm -hmm. Nothing is given to you. And if you want it, then you got to go get it because there are going to be people who are set up in a little bit better situations than you. But that doesn't mean that you can't, work your way to be in a better situation kind of thing.
0: Right. I love, I love your story, man. Cause, cause as you've said, it's, it's not common for a snowboarder to take these opportunities like dancing with the stars. And from the get go, you even joining snowboarding was revolutionary and, and your mindset has, has not been orthodox. And so for you to, for you to take those opportunities that others wouldn't is I feel like just right in line with, with every other decision in your life. Um, what do you feel like's contributed to that mindset of, yeah, sure, I'll do Dancing with the Stars or yeah, I'll I'll get into to snowboarding.
1: Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it's just doing what you want to do, like yeah. right. Like snowboarding's so great because you do it how you wanna do it. If you wanna film for snowboard movies, you can do that. You wanna compete, you can do that, you wanna ride half pipe, you can do that. You just wanna go cruise, you can do that. And it's funny because you see it in snowboarding though, and it's like these people hate on contest riders or people who just ride half pipe. And it's like, but we all snowboard because there are no rules. There's, <clears throat> there's no right or wrong. So why are you hating on me for doing snowboarding how I want to do it? And, just, right. you, know, and you see it like that, but it, I think it's just like, you weigh out your options. Like I've always weighed out my options. Like why would I do dance with the stars? Why wouldn't I do dance with the stars? Like was one of the reasons I wanted to do dance with the stars is because of how people would think of me because I did dance when I was like well I don't care what people think I'm going to do it because I want to do it it's great for me I see it as a play for the industry and it's going to help my snowboarding and open up to all these opportunities and doors for me um and that's how I look at it you know if you got to really you got to stop caring about what other people think because it's your life you live it the way you want to live it love that I, don't think, I mean they're going to comment on what you're doing because either a jealousy thing or or they're not doing anything so they have plenty of time to like talk smack about you you know like if you're busy and you're like out there working your butt off i don't have time to comment on other people's life right love that
0: you ready for some fan questions
1: yeah hit me with whatever you want
0: okay so underscore roddy asks what was your worst injury
1: i mean my worst injury i think there's like i mean i can categorize this right like I broke my femur in half, and that was a bad injury. Um, Even though they told me I didn't break it, but it was broken and displaced like this in my leg. Um, That one was bad. That was like my first major one. I got a rod and four screws put in my leg there. Uh, But I think like actually the most painful one has really been like my disc stuff. Like I've torn my L5S1 disc almost all the way through. And that one's painful because I rode with that for like a year and a half and then, it, like I, then I just couldn't walk. And that was like painful, painful, painful to like move. Um, so I think my femur and then my disc more than anything, but I've had a bunch of different breaks and tears and things. But femur as far as recovery wise, disc as far as like pain wise.
0: This is an interesting question from MJ Shook eight two two. She asks, "What was the worst part about becoming an Olympic snowboarder?"
1: Um, I think the worst part about becoming an Olympic snowboarder is everybody always like, "Did you win?" You know, it's like, "Well, I went to the Olympics. Like, I got fifth, and that was like whatever." I I still feel like I should have podiumed, but. It is that's subjective, yeah. but that's like kind of the worst because like, you know, going to the Olympics is such a big thing and such a hard thing to do when people are like, oh, you went to the Olympics. You're like, yeah. Like, how'd you do? Like, this <laughs> is <laughs> like, awkward because like, yeah. I don't like talking about myself anyways, but it's like on that kind of thing. And it's like, gosh, it makes me so mad because I was so mad. Like the crowd booed my score when I got it. And so it's like wow. that. And then it's like I relive that moment. I get so heated again. I'm like, man, I should have podiumed at that thing. Gosh, and it gets so bad. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, 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 I mean, it's like not that bad. I guess I, if I had to pick a negative, to it, that would be it.
0: And then Neely XX asks if you enjoy any other sports besides snowboarding.
1: Did I enjoy?
0: Do you enjoy?
1: Oh. I mean, like, I'm a diehard college football fan.
0: Who's I mean, your team?
1: Ohio State? Ohio State. Only thing that matters. It's a shame. Uh, It sucks being so good every day. (laughs) Uh, I love playing soccer. Like soccer was like my my thing. Yeah. Besides snowboarding, growing up, you know, I still love soccer, um, playing wise. But I, I mean, I, I love sports in general. So I love going to basketball games. I love, I love going to live sporting events. But Mm -hmm. as far as me playing, like soccer was like number two love for me nice yeah
0: do you have uh so we mentioned last week when we met that you're trying to get more consistent with social media um what what projects do you have right now that you're working on you're you're a red bull athlete i'm sure they have you
1: no
0: not anymore
1: oh no oh no how long were you with them I was with them for a while, and then I went to Monster and then went back, so it's like no one ever really did that, so I was with them the wow. second time seven years maybe okay long time
0: okay um as far as far as promotion goes, you have your rail jam event there yeah. what what's the uh what's the inspiration and motivation behind that
1: uh for the rail jam is just giving back to the community that you know helped raise me and helped create helped make me the type of person and type of snowboarder that I am. Uh, I'd like to start building that to something a little bit more than just, you know, still do my rail, my rail jam, but like make it on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. But you know, right now my parents do that on top of all their work. So it's like hard to keep growing it and it kind of grows without us trying. So I'd like to do more and kind of still give back to the community, but then also kind of start expanding it a bit. I'd like to do that eventually here, but that's like that's a big project to kind of get going. Yeah, but I need to get better on my social media, just like in general. Like, there's just things that I do that I think people would find interesting that I don't really find that interesting. Like when I'm home in the summertime, I might be going a hike or like I just go to the gym and like I chill. Like I'm like a homebody when I'm home in Utah. I'm like hanging. So it's like, yeah, I guess I could have like do like more fitness stuff or things like that. But I'm like in the gym, pff, that's my focus. In yeah. the gym, I get out. And I go by myself. I don't talk with anybody. I don't like, I just like, I'm like sweatshirt up, tie that hood up. Don't like, I'm just in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just need to get better. Like, cause you know, especially with the way everything's kind of going nowadays, like social media plays a big part in as far as like getting content out there, you know, you can do, web series almost just on your instagram channels and now with the ig tv and stuff i need to just kind of formulate a plan i have a lot of ideas on things it's just like the executing yeah all part so i gotta just be a little more organized
0: yeah and for those of you listening as usual the links to louis socials uh will be in the show notes so go ahead and check him out yeah, um, he's got a handsome face, so he won't let you down in that sense. But really, <laughs> I Louis, I, always, I always close with asking three takeaways that he can think, give to the audience. What are three nuggets of wisdom that, that you feel like you've learned throughout your life?
1: All right. I got it. All right. The first one is a quote my dad told me. And he's, I have a coin with it engraved on it. So this isn't like some new thing. This is like he's been telling me this since I was a little kid. The first one is if you're good enough, they can't ignore you. And that I think can be carried over into any aspect of life. Because like like I said, there's going to be times where like people don't want to like give you credit or maybe you're not the most popular or the coolest or this or that. But like if you keep working and just keep proving your worth, that there's going to come to a point where they can't ignore you anymore. And they're like, well, this person at this job is like, we want to promote our boy. But, you know, Randy over here has just been putting up numbers week in week out and it's like you can't deny that and you can't ignore it so that was one that was always very important to me the other one that is the one that I started saying recently and, and it's like it's not really about like life and everything is not about avoiding obstacles it's about how you overcome obstacles because there's no way that you can avoid every obstacle and roadblock in your life and um it's it's really about overcoming them and how you overcome them that really creates the person that you are because it's like those those stories and those hiccups throughout life, you know, that that plays a part in the person that you become and that's like my new one that I've been saying and I think that it helps because it's your journey, right? It's it's more about how you got there. And that's where I'm like I'm obsessed with like people's process and then you know like a Zero regrets and enjoy, enjoy the journey are like the last two. And zero regrets is like Apollo's thing. Like you want to live life with having no regrets. Do everything you can do now. And, um, whatever decision you make, live with it. You know what I mean? If it's doing this, well, make the decision and be 100% in and then enjoy the journey because it's about the journey and not the destination. And it's like how did you get from Ohio to the Olympics, right? It's like the Olympics were cool, but it's like what was the work that was put in? Because the journey is what is, is the real story. It's not like, okay, I did, I'm a professional snowboarder. That's cool, but it's the journey. How did I get to become a professional snowboarder? That's the substance in that you learn and all, all the lessons come from. You, know, you don't learn anything. I don't think you really learn too much from, you learn more from failure than I think you do from success a lot of times. You know, that's where, again, avoiding or overcoming the obstacle, that's where you're learning things. That's how, you know, me breaking my leg... You know, I can tell you, like, a couple of different things I learned and, um, about myself from that happening, being my first major injury. Um, and it's not like I can make it through my whole career with never having an injury. It's just not going to happen. But when I do get hurt, how am I going to overcome it? What, what am I going to learn from it? What, what's going to make me a better person? And then I guess the extra one is, you know, always try to wake up every day and try to be better than you were the day before. That's like another one. Like, whether it's a person – being a better person, being a better athlete, being a better employee, being a better friend, whatever it is, how can you be better than you were yesterday? Because tomorrow is never given. So it's like, make the most of every day. Love that. Really
0: appreciate you being on the show today. That was fantastic, man. You dropped some gold. Man. We'll talk soon.
1: All right, man. Thank you. Have a good one.
0: Hey, guys, it's Andrew, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Redirected. If you find this podcast valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you happen to listen from. You can share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. Also, head over to andrewdes.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. And while you're at my site, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you can get updates on other fun stuff going on. Also, you guys know I love connecting with you, so if you want to reach out to me directly on Instagram or Twitter, my handle is at Andrew D East. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next time on Redirected.